Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. If you would get your Bibles open up to the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 18, continuing forward with the series. I don't know. I haven't gotten permission from God whether I get to stop it after this week or if it's going to go on. Uh, but uh, last week I talked to you about um, the, the condition of our culture, how that culture has affected relationships and how those relationships failing are affecting children. Um, this week we're going to focus more on children than anything else. Um, if I was to say in all of the Gospels, the individuals that Jesus Christ looked out looked out for the most it was for kids i mean he was here to seek and save the lost but there are um the gospel according to mark chapter 10 where uh they're sitting around talking about divorce all of the adults and somebody brought kids over for jesus to bless of course some of the disciples i could just see them now you know better than to bring kids over here while we're talking about adult stuff and it's one of the two one of the only two places in the scripture that jesus christ became indignant um, undignified, meaning, um, did he sin? No. Did he lose his cool? Yes. And uh, in several places throughout the scripture, this is one of them, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus exalts a child, comparing them to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven. Um, children hold a special place in uh, the heart of Jesus Christ. And I, and I want to tell you, as I said last week, um, you know, I, I want to I want to say this. I didn't say it last week, and the Lord kind of pushed me to say, you, you need to say that this week. Single moms, I appreciate you. Without you, children would have nobody. Um, the last I checked, Jefferson County right now has just over 700 children in foster care. 700. It's a lot of kids. A lot of kids that both parents, neither parent, are worthy of their child being in their household. And the culture that we've grown up in, the culture I grew up in, is way different than the culture that students now growing up in. And those of you that are older than me, the culture you grew up in is much different than the culture I grew up in. We see over the past 50, 60 years the transition of our culture what culture is doing to the family. And you heard me say the first week when I started this, and I believe this wholeheartedly to be true, one of the greatest battles that Satan has started was the battle against the family. It's a battle against the family. Divorces happen. Some of them in the eyes of God are very justifiable. Some of them are not not saying any of the things that I'm saying today to make people who've been divorced in their past feel bad. What's behind you is behind you, and Jesus doesn't want us to turn around and look back. He wants us to look forward. The reason that I'm preaching this message, and fully convicted of this, is that we have, as a church have to continue to focus on what it is that we see Satan using to manipulate the church. The church itself. Is it doing a good job? 
don't think it's doing a terrible job. The church that's really the church of Jesus Christ. The church is ministering to children. There's always some percentage of individuals in the church who genuinely and deeply care about the children. I think everybody cares, but I think some just maybe leave the responsibility to others. And I'm not saying you need to jump into youth ministry. I'm not saying you need to jump jump into children's ministry. What I'm saying is we have the ability, if we've not called into those ministries, to support those ministries and to support those children without actually becoming leaders in those ministries. The need for it is obvious. The need for it is, is absolutely evident in the culture that we see today. Culture has changed. Contrary to Scripture, how many of you guys, when you were growing up, got whipped by your dad? Do you think that life for you turned out different than it is for the children we see today? You better believe it. You better believe it. The timeout crowd? I'm sure all of you have experienced the timeout crowd, right? And I'm not saying there's not a reason for a timeout. I'm not saying that there's not a reason. I mean, we called it grounding when I was growing up, right? You got your favorite things taken away from you and those favorite, and I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for that, but our culture has taken it to the extent, and I don't care Facebook, do it. The fact is, these scripture passages that I'm about to read to you may get this sermon taken down off of Facebook. You heard me say two weeks ago, never spank a child when you're angry. Always spank a child for discipline. Never spank a child because you're angry. Because there is a fine line between disciplining a child and satisfying our own anger. And if we ever spank a child by satisfying our own anger, we are committing abuse. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Jesus Christ tells us, the Lord tells us, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. I'm going to return to that one in a little bit. Proverbs 13.21 says, He who withholds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Discipline is something that has really gotten an an ugly definition or application to, especially in the last 15 or 20 years. Discipline is something that's necessary. I actually had a teenager come up to me. This was when I was a youth pastor. And they said, uh, because we were discussing discipline and, and, you know, children, when you whip a child, they don't like it, right? I mean, nowadays, you whip a child, they're liable to call DFS on you. And get you in a whole lot of trouble if you spank a child. This teenager come up to me after that morning's Bible study and they said, did you ever wonder why somebody's behind is shaped the way that it is? It looks an awful lot like padding that would prevent somebody from getting hurt really bad when they get hit there. And I thought, wow, you know, out of the mouth of a teenager. God not only expects us to discipline our children with the rod, but he expects us to receive discipline from him. How many people in here have been whipped by Jesus? You ever been whipped by Jesus? I've been out behind the tool shed a time or two in my life. 
Discipline is extremely important. And we see today the problems that we see because we are lacking that discipline. Discipline comes in many forms. I want to tell you something. If you're a student and you're here and you're listening to me, I want you to hear this. It's okay to lose. I meant it when I said that the everybody gets a trophy generation. They're all adults having children now. So now we have everybody gets a trophy giving uh, having children that are also going beyond the everybody gets a trophy. Now it should be everybody gets accepted. Everybody, everything that everybody says and everything that everybody feels needs to get accepted, which is their trophy in society these days. And there's absolutely nothing farther from the truth. Discipline is necessary. But we must never lose focus. And the focus is, if you're in here today and you're an adult, you have great responsibility when it comes to raising up children. You may say, I mean, I could say that, right? I mean, I don't really have to raise up children. I'm getting grandchildren now. Ask Jameson, I'll whip him. He's really got to deserve it. But I'll whip him. All of my kids, though, they're all grown up. What does this have to do with me? It's plenty to do with me. Why? Because Jesus said so. In the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18, start with verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself, set him before them. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. How much does Jesus think about children? A lot. So much so, and you'll notice he used the word converted there. We must be converted and become like children. The reason for this is, if we aren't individuals who are willing to humble ourselves before God, how can we be taught? If we aren't individuals who understand that God will discipline us as adults, how can we be taught? If we're proud individuals and think that we can do whatever we want to, by the way, in those households where you were spanked, how long did the do-whatever-you-want-to thing last? It didn't. And, of course, I remember as a kid, my dad liked using a leather strap. Loved the leather strap. He would go down to the store, to the hardware store, and he would buy him about 20 feet of leather. And he said he'd have enough belt material, and he'd put his own buckle on it. He'd punch his own holes in it, and uh, he would fix it up however it was that he wanted. He used that leather strap. And I'm telling you, when I was growing up as a kid, and, and I deserved it, I got it. And I can tell you, it wasn't very, it wasn't very pleasing. I mean, I'm a manipulative kid, and I've told you guys before, I'd, he would start to whip me, and I figured out that if I dropped my feet out from underneath myself and hit the ground, just scream like a banshee after he hit me the first time, he wouldn't hit me again until he caught on. Then he'd pull me up by my arm, and when I'd pick my feet up, I'd just hang there, and he'd just keep whipping me. And I remember those things like it was yesterday. How many of you have your pants pulled down and whipped on your bare butt like that? Man, those of you that were whipped out of love for the purpose of discipline, 
How many of you grew up to resent that? And how many of you grew up to appreciate that? I guarantee you, folks, if I hadn't been whipped when I was a kid, I would have turned out to be a whole lot different than I am today. Because it was discipline, and it was from love. When a child comes to us, we don't know what their circumstances are, especially in a church setting. And we're expected to be individuals who are not like the disciples who say, the adults are talking. He expects us to be the individual that he was in Mark chapter 10, where he stopped the show. And it says specifically right in the middle of that conversation that Jesus took those children in his arms and he blessed them. Stopped life in its tracks for them. Verse 6 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depths of the sea. There was a heavy millstone and there was a light millstone. The light millstone was used to crush olives. If you ever get a chance, if you've ever been out to, um, out to uh, Eureka Springs and had a chance to go through the tour, they actually have an area that shows you how they actually used these presses. And uh, the press, the wheels were about this big around they used on olives. They weighed roughly two, between two and 300 pounds. And they would put olives inside a burlap bag. They would lay them down in the track, and then they would run these stones over them just to crush them. Then they would hang them up in a tree, and as they fermented, they would drip through that burlap bag into a container, and that's what they used to provide them with light. Also what they used to put on wounds. That's a small millstone. When it came to them grinding grain and it came to them using them for grapes to make grape juice, these were the grindstones, the millstones, that were about six to eight feet tall that were pulled by a mule. And all that mule did was walk in a circle. And they could do large quantities of, uh, of grain crushing or large quantities of crushing grapes. They could do it. the large millstone weighed somewhere in the ballpark of a 1,000 pounds. You notice that he didn't say just a millstone. He didn't say the little millstone. In one of the other Gospels, it actually specifies a large millstone. In this one, it uses a heavy millstone. You've heard me say before, Never experienced either of these, but I have had people tell me that you do not want to die of drowning. That it would be one of the most miserable ways to die. To be thrown in the depths of the sea, I've often asked the question, which would kill you first? The drowning? Or just how fast do you think you'd sink having a large millstone hung around your neck? And I'm betting, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, that it would be no more pleasurable to die from being crushed by water pressure than it would be to drown. So causing one of these little ones to stumble, little problem, big problem, as far as Jesus is concerned. 
big problem. It almost makes a person want to ask the question, well, what technically is causing them to stumble? Well, it's definitely doing something in front of them that we're not supposed to do. It's definitely telling them something that is contrary to the Scripture. But is causing a little one to stumble also withholding that information? believe that it is. Because there's no middle ground here. Either I'm a positive influence in somebody's life, or I'm a negative influence in somebody's life. And everything I say, everything I do, everything I don't say, and everything that I don't do will feed one position or the other. It will feed one position or the other. It's important to point out, too, that he actually says little ones here. You've heard me say before that this doesn't necessarily mean just children. He's talking about people who are young in him. People who, and and let me clarify this a little bit for you. Um, some adults are young in him. How many children are young in him? All of them. Some adults are young in him. and someone pr- places their trust in Christ at the age of 40, to God they're considered... Um, a young Christian. But every child is a young Christian. They've not grown the experience of the years. They've not, they've not seen the things they need to see. They've not learned the things that they need to learn. Every 100%, every child is a little one. I have some practical advice for you your parent you want to write these things down i want to encourage you to do so number one pray ask god to do to the heart the only thing that god can do you know what i can't wait to see i can't wait when i get to heaven because i believe that i will see the effect of every person who has ever prayed for me in my lifetime. Have you ever wondered just how much that you don't know about that God has moved simply because somebody prayed for you? Prayers of a mother, prayers of a grandmother, prayers of a church member who's a prayer warrior, prayers of a Sunday school teacher, Miss Joyce, my heart about leaped out of my chest because I knew this was part of the message. You was giving a praise because you said you've been praising, praying for these two little girls that showed up in your Sunday school class. Hey, that's the Lord. You know what it takes in order for that stuff to happen? It takes a person being willing to pray for a child, and it takes a parent who's open to hear it. What does prayer cost you? We've almost made it mechanical. I mean, I stood up here this morning and said, pray for these students who gave their life to Christ this week. Every time I do a baptism, I say, pray for them because the road they're about to walk is a much more difficult road than they walked before. Because broad is the path 
easy is the path. And there are many who walk it. But narrow is the path. Narrow is the path. Those individuals who have a desire to live for God, that path is narrow, and there are few that walk it. And I'm not asking you to answer this question. I really want the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and for you to answer this question for yourself. When's the last time you prayed for any kid that wasn't your own? This is an untapped source of power. If we believe that our God is who he says that he is, then lifting children up to him is the number one greatest and simplest thing that we can do. Number two, teach them that God is truthful. fact is, there's a lot of competition in this world, and they're all fighting for who gets to own the rights to the truth. The truth has been under attack for a long time. The children need to know that God does not lie. That God means what he says and says what he means that he had the ability to put it a different way if he intended to put it a different way. And it took me a long time to come to the conclusion that if there is one person that I can trust, that there is one person that I know will not let me down when it comes to knowing the absolute truth with nothing withheld, God. I'm hearing this phrase, and, and to be honest with you, it drives me a little crazy. I'm hearing this phrase more and more. Younger people are coming up with this phrase. And I'll explain a little context to you. Well, that's your truth. And it cuts to me at my core every time I hear it. Well, that's your truth. Well, we can accept some of that. I think blue is the best color on the planet. What do you think? How many reds are there out there? I mean, you know, when it comes to your truth, I mean, we can debate that stuff, right, when we're talking about color. But when we're discussing anything in context of human life, there is no your truth and my truth. There is the truth. And it has to take supreme authority in every individual's life, especially those who give their lives to Jesus. He tells us over and over and over again, Read the gospel according to John chapter 15 sometime. I am the true vine. You are the branches.
we're the ones who should be drawing from him. We're not entitled to our own opinions, nor should Christians ever want to be entitled to their own opinions. Absolute truth being removed from the picture is what has got us to where we're at today. Number three, model truth-telling yourself, especially when it's costly. Habits aren't taught. They're caught. You can teach a kid seven days a week. But if a kid sees a parent or sees an adult that they respect do something contrary to what they've been taught, they will do the exact same thing. There is no value in do as I say and not as I do. And if we think that they're not paying attention, then we have some kind of a disconnect up here. Because I'm here to tell you they are paying attention. Last week, I encouraged the parents to pray with their kids two weeks ago. There was nothing that warmed my heart more than for me to know that when my kids were little, I would go into their rooms, I would tuck them in, I would get down on my knees, and we'd pray. And there was no greater encouragement in all of my life than when Jameson told me one day, that they were all going to bed and mommy and daddy came in and prayed with them. And unless something seriously bad happens, guess what he's going to do to his kids? When kids see mommy and daddy sitting on the couch talking about the Bible, when they see mommy and daddy getting in disagreements and arguing and fighting, but always being willing to apologize when apology is necessary. Always putting first and forward the principles that God has given us in our relationships. Do you think our kids aren't paying attention to that? They are. Number four. Teach kids the value of the truth. Do not pander to their delusions. Kids in this culture, they're being taught they can be anything that they want to. They can do anything that they want to. I read a story the other day. Stick with me here, please. A, chan- a transgendered couple, a woman who had become a man, not surgically, and a man who had become a woman, had dove so deep in these delusions that the woman who was really a man was brokenhearted because he couldn't have children. It 
so the man who became a woman who was brokenhearted that they couldn't have children was at least happy. But the man who became a woman could bear their child. But it created this chaos in the relationship because how can a man have a baby? I read the story and my head was spinning by the time I finished reading it. It was confusing to me. But I want you to know, folks, that I am not coming down hard on these people who say they believe these things. They have a problem. The problem could have attention turned to it. The problem, in most cases, could be resolved. But instead, our culture has decided to let them know that if they're a girl, but they feel like they're a boy, that that's okay. They can be a boy. There are a ton of theological problems with this thought process. Does God make mistakes? If you were born a man, you're a man. And if you're born a woman, you're a woman. And in all but about 0.2% of the cases, it's pretty easy to figure it out. Some states are going as far as putting male and female genitalia on their bathrooms just to clear up any confusion. Is that necessary? That's not necessary. When I was about 10, I had an aunt and a third cousin. They loved for me to come over to my third cousin's house. And I was 10. I loved the attention. And they would put me up in this makeshift barber chair. And they would put makeup on me and a big wig. And they'd put a dress on me. And they would say to this day that I was just the prettiest little boy that they ever seen. I understood the difference. You think I jumped up and said, hey, let's go show the world? Mm -mm. I wouldn't come out of that room. Not till the boy clothes were back on, all the makeup was off my face. It used to be simple to be able to tell the difference. You know how many pronouns there are now? You know what a pronoun is, right? Like I would I would call Erica he. I'd call Miss Elena she. Those are pronouns. You know how many there are now? Over two hundred. We're supposed to be sensitive to people's pronouns, what they want to be called. But there are over 200 of them. This term, I identify. I identify. Can I identify as a grizzly bear? I mean, I love deer meat. 
Can anybody really stop me from killing deer year-round if I identify as a grizzly bear? What if somebody decides to identify as the president? Do you let him in the White House? What if somebody decides to identify as Jesus? Do we schedule him in all the churches? Let him speak on Sunday morning? Truth is, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We've created this scenario where kids walk through life and they believe things that are absolutely delusional. The number of kids that I counsel because people have told them they're ugly and they believe it. Uh, hear me. All the students looking at me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no such thing as an ugly kid. We've created this scenario where kids will walk around in life doing everything they can to be accepted. In most cases, all they need to know is the truth. Number five, teach kids discernment. <clears throat> Not all truth has to be told. You say, well, that's a weird one to throw in there. Felt like the Lord wanted me to. Told you before, my dad was funny. He was the type of guy that they'd buy a broom at Walmart and they'd go to check out the broom and they'd say, would you like this in a bag? And my dad would say, no, she's going to ride it home. My mom would come out of the bedroom and she'd say, do these pants make my butt look big? My dad would go, nope, your butt makes your butt look big. <clears throat> Every guy in here, have you ever had your wife say, how do I look? And how many of you saw this giant red flag? Bling! In seminary, and I had one other older pastor that said this to me, and, <clears throat> and uh, although I didn't understand it at the time, I come to understand it. As a pastor, I study... I study a lot. I study a lot of things, and I go deep. I mean, I will dive deep. And there are a lot of things I come across that the solution is you just got to have faith. I mean, faith is what brought us into this in the first place. Faith we got to have when it comes to a lot of things that I found out. Seminary and this one older pastor that I respected a lot, they told me, they said, never tell everything that you know. Because the truth is, there are a lot of people who haven't been doing this for 30 years. There are a lot of people who are still growing their faith. There are people whose faith is too small to accept some of the things that are true. If I think somebody's ready for something, I'll say it. And you ought to see the pain it inflicts sometimes. Number six, last but not least. As a church, we should be doing everything that we can to expose every child that we can to the Word of God, the truth. We've done great. Bates Creek Camp, for years, 
a kid has not, no parent or anybody has been able to come and say, my kid's not going to camp because we don't have the money for it. 20 years in Bates Creek camp, and I'm telling you, there are a lot of students who don't go to camp because their parents can't afford it, especially when they have four, five, six kids in a family. I mean, you're talking about almost $1,000 to, to send six kids to, to camp. Vacation Bible school. Sunday school class. Youth class. Counseling. You know how I keep from getting sued? Because it's possible. All it takes is for me to say something somebody doesn't like, they can file a lawsuit against me. Somebody comes to me for counseling, they're going to sit in there and they're going to hear the truth. But they're not going to hear the truth as I see it. They're going to hear the truth as I believe it. And it's going to come out of here. And legally, I'm protected. Because you know what I get to say as long as it's out of here? Sue God. I'm just his mouthpiece. I'm not dreamt any of this stuff up. He's the one who says it. I have freedom of religion. I can believe anything that I want to. I believe this word, this Bible to be true, cover to cover. It is, it is inerrant, has no errors in it. It is infallible. It has application to every step of human life. Get in trouble sometimes sharing that kind of truth. But we have to be people who are creating the conflict. Because there is none out there. Students being told by teachers, being told by their colleges, that the way they feel means everything. We sing this song here. Just as I am without one plea. just as I am. Anything that the Lord wants to change in us, he has the ability to change in us, and he will. Sanctification is real. The Holy Spirit is real. He moves in the lives of people, and he changes people. Praise him, because I am not the same person I was before I come to know him. And just knowing that he wants the exact same thing for every child. That means we don't create a list of do's and don'ts for kids as a church. That doesn't do it. No more than I said that we ought to be doing that to ourselves or anyone else. We should be exposing them to the truth. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. The Holy Spirit to be the one that's molding and making children. Jesus Christ set them on a pedestal because they are moldable. He wants us to be like them because they are moldable. Because rarely do you see a little child who's too big for their britches. They will occasionally pretend that they are. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Right? We exist as a church in so many churches in this world today. They think that we go to church on Sunday morning... We sit in a Sunday school class. We sit in a pew. We listen to a preacher rant for 40 minutes. We go home satisfied. 
checked off the list. Our responsibility for the week's done. Oh, no, it isn't. You guys have heard me say this before. I come back from camp. I'm exhausted. It'll take me two weeks to recover from these last two weeks. There is no better feeling of exhaustion that there could ever be. If I came home from camp Friday night, closed my eyes on my pillow, and they didn't open back up, I would have smiled through the gates of the kingdom. Because I knew that in the last two weeks, ten students no longer had to fear death. They had then put themselves in the position of being moldable. We're doing good, church. Can we do better? There's always room for improvement. You can't doubt the facts. Society is crumbling. The family is crumbling. And I've read the end of the book. We can't stop what's coming. It's coming. We can't save everyone. But we can save some. And all that it takes is for us to be individuals who are willing to live and proclaim the gospel that has the power to save souls and change lives. Will you be that person? Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.